Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss Knock Knock with the Devil and it's Venom and blah, 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 blah. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. Although we will My say this time we are doing... And with sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, is Danny Vincent, as you can hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I want to point out that we usually talk about a certain cinematic universe, but this week we're talking about one with a little more spunk. Um, <laughs> a little yeah. more spunk. But before we get into that, um, let's introduce my good friend, Luke Foster Hayden. Tell me about you, Whoa. Luke. By the way, say hi. Hi, how's it going, everyone? So, my name is Luke. Um, I've known Danny for a very, very long time. We were, uh, how should I phrase this? We were youth group refugees back in middle school. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I'm generally a music person. uh, So, you know. We have you on to talk about Eminem, right? No, I, I know. Yeah. So we can talk about all the great music and Venom. Um, but, you know, I've I remember uh, being in sixth grade and seeing that first trailer for the uh, for that first Iron Man movie and just thinking it was like the coolest thing and super excited to see it. But uh, I wasn't allowed to see it originally because there was My, that. Me too. There was that we talked one, about that last week on the show. Yeah, there was that, on. that one like 30 second sex scene and it wasn't like, you know, kosher. Uh, so we went and saw Indiana Jones in the Crystal School, which was out at the same time, which was worse in every single way. Um <laughs> I remember after that, my parents apologized for not letting us see Iron Man. And we went and saw Iron Man like the next week. So what is your favorite Marvel movie? I know you said Iron Man earlier, but I want to say you can also pick a non MCU film as your absolute favorite. But we do want to know your favorite MCU as well. Um, I mean, I have to go with either Iron Man or Infinity War as as my favorites, um, though I do. And. This is I've not seen them in forever, but I hold a great amount of nostalgia for the the Fantastic Four, the, the early Fantastic Four movies. I'm sure they're mm. absolute trash and probably rewatching them is a bad idea. But I, I hold a lot of a lot of nostalgia I for seen them. Them so long. Yeah. I watched I think I think uh around like in December of last year, I watched uh the first fantastic four with the chris evans one and i i told danny i was like yeah chris evans is the best part of this film that, that that's it i think i don't know we'll, we'll cover him someday we might have you on for that but, yeah but i think yeah, there's michael Chiklis. there's quite a few cool things yeah 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 it definitely uh, seems like one of those movies that there might have been a bit more ambition than there was passion and competence yeah mm. i also feel like at least those two actors cared more than anyone else in the cast did really yeah definitely uh, yeah um well then that kind of answers though my next question which is are you team endgame or team infinity war a hundred percent infinity war like i remember walking out of the theater um after seeing infinity war and i had gone with two friends 
and one of them absolutely hated it and the other loved it um one was just like i don't i don't get the point and i mean it is like half of a movie but yeah something about infinity war like i just really latched onto it and an end game is good but i'm just a sucker for exposition like <laughs> what, what, okay like, <laughs> like i even like the first half of inception like you know i i love that's exposition. fellowship I, I of the ring is my favorite one so oh, well, i think okay i think a lot of people like fellowship best to be fair uh I realized that I've never dropped my Inception take on this podcast, so I'm going to do it now. Oh, the infamous Danny Venom. Inception take. I, you know my infamous Danny Inception take. I, I know. The first half of Inception is the worst thing Christopher Nolan has ever made. However, the second half is easily the best thing he's ever made. And as such, it still feels like a pretty good movie. The issue is, is on rewatch, you get for that, that first half, is so rough. That's my Inception take. Now tell your Inception story, Luke. And then I guess I'll let oh, Tyler say something yeah. about Inception. Even so, this so back when Inception <laughs> came out, my brother and I, we were in um, California visiting family. We had family that lived in Southern California. And we went to just like this small theater. And it was apparently a film theater uh, with film projectors, all that. And in the middle of Inception... The a whole bunch of weird shapes started showing up on the screen, and what had happened? Like Fight Club. The like. the the film had melted in the middle of the showing, oh. and so oh, it, it like melts, dissolves, and then like we're just staring at the screen of nothing for a couple minutes. And the manager comes in, and it's like, "Hey guys, here's free tickets. Come back, come back." So we saw the first <laughs> half of Inception twice before we saw the ending, which explains why you Dang. like it so much. I know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, all right. So we had a guest on Jay Salahi last week. Uh, he has a question for you. Okay. And you will answer it first, and me and Tyler will answer it because we did not answer it last week. Um, what's that, I, Tyler? I, 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 I don't get an Inception. Oh, take, talk no, about fine. Inception. No, talk about no, Inception. It's, it's fine, Danny. No, uh, Jay's no. question is, uh, Tyler, what is your opinion on Inception? <laughs> okay no no my only thing about inception is it's more it's less about inception but the way you described the way you describe it's it's your take on inception you said the first half is like the worst thing that christopher nolan's ever done and then the second half is the best thing christopher nolan's ever done and that reminded me of the tomorrow war only the first half is the worst thing Adam McKay's ever done, and the second it's half not an is Adam McKay also movie. the worst thing. It's not who did it's, it? It's Chris McKay. I, Chris I, McKay. So Chris McKay. Chris McKay, McKay did Lego yeah. Batman. Adam McKay is the guy who does like Anchorman, <laughs> who did the Big Step Short, yeah. Step Brothers. There's a big difference. Yeah. that's why I was like, oh, there up, is. Up. There is. <laughs> so yeah, no, the first half is the worst thing that Chris McKay did, and then the second half is also the worst thing that Chris <laughs> McKay did. So. <laughs> So, yeah, to be fair, if you're if uh, <laughs> Tomorrow War versus Lego Batman, if anyone if anyone says Tomorrow War, I'm gonna give him a side eye. Um, so anyway, so our actual question for you, Luke from Jay, okay, is I'm ready. if you could watch, so uh, if you could only watch one MCU film with your grandkid in 40 years, what movie would it be? Hmm, that's that's a complicated one. It obviously cannot be either. Infinity War or Endgame because exactly. those are those are half movies. 
Um, <laughs> you watch Infinity War and you and you just leave it as like that's the only thing yeah. they well, ever did. Well, but, but <laughs> okay, okay, but um, like I don't um, think Infinity War works without Bill up Iver though. So no, no I think it it's not even it's yeah. not even saying you don't get a second half. You don't get really the reason for no. it either. Um, yeah, I mean there there's definitely arguments to be made for for Black Panther, right? Extremely important culturally, right? Um, also for the first Iron Man movie, you know, that's where it kind of all started. I think it's still one of the better ones. But I'm actually, I think if I were sitting down with my grandkid, and I guess it also depends how old this hypothetical grandchild is, right? If this hypothetical grandkid is like, you know, older, maybe 20 or like in that high school age where they think that they're too cool for everything, you know, then it's it's kind of a question. But maybe Thor Ragnarok, I think, would be a good one because it kind of encapsulates a lot of um, what it exemplifies a lot of what's good about the MCU, especially when it came out. You know, it kind of revitalized the whole franchise in a lot of ways. I feel I had I had lost interest in almost everything that, up to that point that run of ragnarok i say constantly the run from ragnarok black panther infinity war is such a great run of yeah three films. it's it's an absolute mm-hmm. classic uh and like before then like that that phase was just not not as classic as what came before it or what came after it the ragnarok really for me got me like oh i can actually enjoy this again no no off mic and after we record, I have to ask your thoughts on Guardians too because I'm kind of like, mm. uh, but I won't get into that now because that's yeah. a totally different conversation. But Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah. What would you say? Okay, so if I could only watch one MCU movie with my grandkids in 40 years, I would choose Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 because it, you, as as it works as a standalone film um that they don't necessarily need to watch all of the movies prior to it um and they don't necessarily like it doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger to watch to you know to keep like move yourself into like following the movies afterwards um and it works yeah as its own uh standalone film and it's also just all of the jokes I talked about this last week, all of the jokes in guardians two, they're all set up and all of the setups are executed. They all, all have their punchlines are all delivered and they're all delivered. Well, um, and that one, I like, I have never felt for a CGI raccoon. Like I have in, in guardians two. Um, and uh, that one, I think it it does it does a lot with even though it is a uh, film that's off in space and it's a it's I don't want to say it's a space opera, um, but it, it is even a space though it's opera. A film, I would one hundred percent say yeah. the Guardians movies are space um, operas. Just saying. <laughs> so yeah. So okay, then we'll go with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So even though it is a space opera, it is it is totally a way that like it's. It's something that hits here that resonates with our uh, our hearts. Just something human, you know, that we can all connect to it in some way. So, now, yeah. What about you, Danny? So first off, before I say this, I want to apologize to Jay 
that we forgot to ask him for his answer to his question. Because normally we ask the guests to give an answer to their question, their own answer. So, Luke, be ready for that, too, for your question. Um, so, but anyway, um, so I think I'm approaching this question differently than you two. Because in my mind, both the ones you listed, I could never, I never even would consider. Because I think Thor, uh, Guardians is a bit less so, but Thor Ragnarok, some of its best jokes are entirely built on knowing the MCU. I think the entire Doctor Strange interlude would be so confusing to a kid who has not seen any of these movies. Like, oh, they're just randomly meeting a wizard in New York. Okay, like, uh, so that school off is free. And for Guardians 2, it's also like, yes, it is standalone, but I think emotionally it only works if you've seen the first film. And ignoring that, ignoring that aspect too, when I think of my grandkids in 40 years, I honestly think my grandkids, if I have them, will be quite young. So I think both Guardians 2 and Thor and Ragnarok's humor is a bit too sophisticated. I'm not trying to bag on your choices. I'm just saying why I didn't consider them. Um, mm-hmm. But I would actually say what we watched last week. I would show Captain America 1. Uh, I think it is a classic kid adventure movie, even if it is a superhero movie. I don't think anything in it is too dark like it has enough levity it does do war stuff in it so the kids will feel like oh yeah this is a serious thing this is a cool grown-up movie but it's also like okay but they're like fighting robot tanks at points so it's like very pulpy kind of gi joey for kids and i would enjoy it i also think like i don't know if this is what he meant jay but i'm gonna read it this way is that it says if you could only watch one I read that as what if you can only watch one and then you die the next day type of thing. Like I don't read that as a, they cannot watch another MCU movie. My kid, my grandkids, I can just only watch one with them. And I think cap one would be the best introduction movie for kids of the future, because since it's a period piece, the jokes aren't going to be dated. Kind of like what we were saying last week. Uh, and I also think that it has that style of storytelling that as we've said, we said it felt like an eighties movie. And an 80s movie still is very watchable today. And I don't think movies like Captain America will go out of style. Whereas I could see some jokes in Guardians aging badly. Or, as I said, Thor Ragnarok, a lot of the humor does come from what is going on in the MCU in that moment. Like, for example, when I rewatch Ragnarok nowadays and they mention Ultron, I'm always like, oh, yeah, that was a thing around this time. Uh, but, yeah. So, that anyway, I don't want to back. I feel like I'm backing in your choices more than I'm talking about Cap 1. I think <laughs> Cap 1 is the best choice, though, at least for me, because it is somewhat kiddish but still very serious and that is the best combination in my mind personally gotcha yeah so so uh luke yeah go ahead what would your what uh question would you like to ask our next guest so i guess my my question that i'd like to ask is not not entirely dissimilar uh to jay's question um, and I'm a music historian, uh, at least part time nowadays. And um, so I'm I'm interested in, you know, how this might be viewed historically, you know. So I just my question is, which Marvel movie do you think will hold up the best in 20 years? Can I can I ask for clarity on this question before asking for your answer? Yeah, go for it. So. I'm trying to think of a good way to compare this. Are you saying that the film... Okay, so your question as listed is, which movie holds up the best? 
Yeah. Are you? Do you mean that, or do you mean like what will be the most historically remembered movies? Because those are different things. I feel. Yes, like. they are. Um, I feel, but I don't feel they're completely dissociated questions necessarily. But which movie okay. in twenty years can we revisit and? we will think is the best one pretty much not necessarily which one will uphold the legacy of the Marvel films the best. Okay. And what is your answer? Um, I would probably think guardians, probably guardians two. Um, Personally, I like the first Guardians a bit more, but I know that a lot of people do really care for Guardians 2. And in a lot of ways, it's a maturation of that first film. Um, Black Panther is also a very obvious consideration for this. I think in a lot of ways, like I remember watching Black Panther and being really struck at how bad a lot of the visuals actually looked. And I think that just people in 20 years when its cultural significance might not be on the same level as it was when it came out or is now, I think that might be a bit more of a a mark against it than we might consider it at this point. I have, I have thoughts, but I have to save them for next week because that's the rule of these questions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But all right. Um, Shall we move on, uh, Tyler? That's a good question, though. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it is. Uh, so from this point on, we will discuss the 2018 film Venom, the first Avenger, and spot possible spoilers <laughs> for future productions. Wouldn't he be we the first Spawn Avenger? The Spawn Avenger? Avenger, yeah. I don't wait. Do you know what we're talking about when we say Spawn, uh, Luke? I'm not, I don't believe so now. So to clarify to our listeners, then we'll go back to the disclaimer. Uh, once someone asked Sony, like, what is the name of your universe if it's not the MCU? And they said, oh, it's the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, but you can call it Spunk. So, <laughs> so that is why we, <laughs> that's why I was like, yeah, Spunk. Spunk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> back to the disclaimer. <laughs> All right. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers for Spunk, but we'll gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it will be purely coincidence. Well, let's knock knock with the devil and it's Venom. Right on here, Venom is about a Venom. But first, before we talk about the movie, we'll talk about how we first saw this movie. Do you guys want me to go first? Go for it. Sure. So I graduated college in may <laughs> can remember the month <laughs> in may of 2018 um no way me too what i know crazy anyway so in may 2018 i graduated college and i moved to chicago however in the first weekend of october uh there was a show at my college and i was like oh we'll go drive the seat and it'll be really fun and Actually, it was a good show. It was a, it was Pippin. Pippin was it was a well done production of Pippin that I was very I impressed by. Didn't get to see that one. It was very good. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by it um, for a variety of reasons, but I don't want to get into that right now. It's just <laughs> we're going to talk about the Pippin production I saw three years ago. <laughs> <Not Venom. laughs> 
no. Uh, but while we were there, you know, I met up with my movie friends. So we're like, let's just all go see Venom because it just came out. And we watched Venom in the theater and we laughed hysterically at it. And it was a pretty fun time. That's that's my how I saw Venom. Tyler, nice. you can go. Nice. Uh, I first first saw Venom um, on home Blu-ray release. I think yesterday. I actually (laughs) yesterday. Yeah, (laughs) no. Yeah, I I borrowed the film from my brother um, because he got it. And uh, and then I was like, hey, it's been like two years. I saw it in 2020. Uh, I was like, it's been two years. I should probably see this just to see if it's any good, if I like it or not, I don't know. And then, uh, I watched it and I was kind of like, okay, it's a thing. Yeah. And then I watched it again. Uh, I think like a year later with Felicia and she was like, Oh yeah, that's actually a really good movie. And I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's not a, it's not it's a not thriller, thriller it's story. Not- <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's there. What about you, Luke? <laughs> so my first experience with Venom was this past Monday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you it was. So that was my first experience watching Venom. I was aware of it when it came out, um, and then I was um, graciously gifted a copy <laughs> of it by <laughs> by this podcast's own Danny Vincent. Um, in our in our <laughs> annual bad movie Christmas exchange. Yes, we have a great bad movie Christmas exchange this year. Did I give you cats? I gave you cats. Yeah, I right? got cats. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and we immediately opened it. And we immediately it. opened it, and then <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's it's so fantastic. I love it. Um, give me anything else to say about your general thoughts, or shall we move on to our digging in portion? Oh wait, did what? we say our general thoughts? Oh no, we, we didn't, didn't say our general, general thoughts. thoughts. Oops. No. Whoops, Daisy. <laughs> Tyler, what are your general thoughts? Um, it's objectively not a good movie, but surprisingly quite watchable thanks to Tom Hardy. <laughs> I'm just reading Danny's notes. No, I have one sentence and it's it gets better with each watch. I I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. It just gets better with each watch. And I will leave you, the listener, to make your judgment of that. I, I would agree with that. I think as uh, unfortunately Luke cannot weigh in on this matter, but I, I agree that uh, I was pretty surprised when watching it this time in particular that I thought the first first 30 minutes were somewhat engaging, even though I, you know, the whole reason people go to watch this movie is to see the Venom stuff. Uh, and like, he doesn't really come, he doesn't come in for like 35 minutes into the film. And I was surprised at like yeah. how still I was like watching it. And I was like, this is, this is perfectly fine filmmaking right now. Like I'm not bothered by it. It's not particularly great, but it is compelling. Um, so I agree. I would say as Tyler was reading earlier, it is objectively not a good movie, but it's very watchable mainly thanks to Tom Hardy. I also think the action is quite creative surprisingly, and it uses the symbiote in interesting ways. Um, but again, the best part of the film is Tom Hardy and he pretty much single-handedly makes it a fun watch. Luke, what are your general thoughts? What can I say about Venom other than that it's a classic <laughs> boy meets girl, girl dumps boy, boy gets infected with a space parasite that alters his personality, 
boy and girl reconcile and happily ever after classic storytelling goes way back to ancient Greece. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> what I want to say something about Venom. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Um, all right. Shall we dig in? And when we, I have something I want to start with if we dig in. Yeah, uh, go sure. for it. I'm good. So I want to bring up something we've brought up on this podcast before way back uh, when Tyler gave me the cat and the hat as a thing <laughs> is I listed Venom as the one superhero movie I would qualify as obnoxious core, uh, which is my I don't know if you listened to that episode, Luke, but I'll just explain it quickly anyway for the listeners, because that was a long time back. Obnoxious core is my idea of so there's something called nice core that has been popularized recently in like film circles, film criticism circles. It's play a mumble core where it's like, oh, the Paddington movies just make you feel so wholesome. Or yeah. Ted Lasso makes you feel great. My my idea is obnoxious core, where a film is so obnoxious that eventually you have to start loving it. It smears its objectively bad. Well, no, because the thing is, some obnoxious core movies are well made. Like I think Cats is an obnoxious core movie. And I've said to you that I think Cats actually has some good not really great filmmaking in it, but I think there is a solid portion of that film that is legitimately moving. Um, shanks, the railway cat. Exactly. Or like the boss baby. The I think the first boss train. baby movie is a great obnoxious core film. Yeah. And I think Venom, although Venom is not emotional ever. No. I think that. So the first half hour of it, which I already said is like, all right, I'm surprised this is just generally compelling with a weird Tom Hardy performance. But when the symbiote comes in, it just becomes so obnoxiously. I said this off mic before we began, but it's very like try hard Reddit humor, but it's forced to, it's not Deadpool because it's forced to be in a PG 13 movie. And you can tell like, instead of like making Venom, the they want to make him really cool. But if they want to make him cool, they have to make the movie R. So instead of just have him go like, yeah, man, you're a loser. Ha, ha, ha. And it's just like so <laughs> stupid. And I, I, I think it's generally, I think it's something where the obnoxious core vibe of it, where I say it has, it's weirdly moving is that to me, I find it b- kind of moving that Tom Hardy made this movie and put so much effort into it. And when I think he, I think he has said he made it because he wanted to make a movie his kids could see. Um, and I think he succeeded. He made it very, and it is not only a movie kids can see. It's a movie that completely personifies why Tom Hardy is a treasure. Uh, and you know what? It like he is just. This is also like I think this is a star vehicle in a way that most superhero movies are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Yeah, sure. Besides that, I don't think any Marvel movie is a star vehicle. This is very much the only the main reason people want to see this movie was not because of Venom. It was because I remember people there were polls out and it was like 57% of the people went to see it because Tom Hardy was playing a superhero and they wanted to see how that would turn out. <laughs> and like what I love also is like he doesn't try to disguise his height in this movie. He's just Tom Hardy. Like, yeah, it's it's legitimately that this is a Tom Hardy and I give it, we're going to talk about Tom Hardy a bunch in here. But I want to get back to like this is an obnoxious core movie and I do enjoy watching it a ton. Uh, and I like talking about that principle a lot because I don't get to mention it a lot. And it will probably honestly be the last time I mention it in regards to superhero movies because I don't think – I think it's very hard for a sequel to capture the obnoxious coreness of this, the original, which I will talk about in the green room in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, 
but yeah. Uh, who who else wants to go? Who wants to show show? Who has talking points they want to talk about? <laughs> um, I mean, I I generally enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, I can't say much about it other than like <laughs> I liked it. It was a little goofy, but it was in a fun way. You know, I've I've definite gripes. We'll get into. Um, but you know, I enjoyed it. All right. So, um, so for the listeners at home, uh, Tyler has had technical difficulties and we are going to try to get some content in here while he fixes it. And by that, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the boring stuff. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, exactly. So Jenny Slate is in this movie and well, you know, do you know who Jenny Slate is, Luke? I forget if we've, we've watched she, the name sounds very familiar she looked familiar, but I'm looking at her IMDb and it's, she does a lot of animation. now. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to figure out like what I would she know did her from. Chris Evans oh, she was bit. in Parks and Rec. Oh, she was Mona Lisa in Parks and Rec. That's who I thought it was. She's infamously someone who got fired from SNL for dropping an F-bomb. Ah, uh, OK. I did not know that. I just knew her from Parks and Rec. She's in a I think. She was in this indie movie I didn't like. Now I now now that you're looking at her filmography, I have to look up her filmography. Yeah. Letterbox. Um, she did Secret Life of Pets. Oh um, yeah, I'm trying to avoid the animations because oh, I'm trying to avoid the I've animation. Um, well, yeah, because you know, like I've seen her and stuff. Yeah. Uh, she was in On the Rocks, which was not that great. Yeah. She was in Gifted, which was a Chris Evans dramedy. Yeah. I don't remember her in This Means War. She's in Hotel Artemis, apparently. I don't remember yeah. her being in that. Obvious Child is her indie movie that everyone likes and I don't. And yeah. But anyway, it's really she. Did you ever see In the Heights? Or no, I, I, it? I mean, I do teach choir. I should be up on the musical theater. Um, but no, I have not yet seen it. Okay. Well, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because In the Heights has a very weird... One thing you might know on this podcast is that we pretty constantly, at least I try to constantly, talk about billing. Because I think billing is very interesting. Where the contract allows the billing. And and in the Heights, I was shocked because Stephanie Beatrice is is in it. And you know Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She doesn't get an individual credit. Hmm. Even though she's probably like the uh, most famous person in the cast besides Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's a cameo role, and Jimmy Smits, who is, of course, Bail Organa. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she doesn't get an individual credit, and like I get that her role isn't that big, but her agent should be better, and that's what I thought about Jenny Slayton. So because you know the credits were, I don't know if you watch the credits. I always like like watching the credits because the billing, as I said, and I was like, oh, the the like dragon of Riz Ahmed is gets his own credit okay and the boyfriend gets a credit. These are actors I don't know, but okay, I guess Jenny Slate got the with credit. And then she doesn't. She shares a credit with someone else. I'm like, what? Hmm. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's just stuff I like to talk about. But then we could also talk about uh, your favorite part of the movie, I assume, Michelle Williams. Uh, right? Tyler, are you back? I'm back. Oh, yeah. okay. We were I, talking about I don't know what happened. We were talking about boring stuff when you were gone. Don't yeah. worry. Uh, that was the whole oh. point. It's like, we're going to try to get some boring stuff out of the way. We were talking about Jenny Slate. Uh, so now you're know back. That is. Uh, okay. She plays the uh, scientist who helps Eddie. She's a stand-up comedian, yeah. and yeah, we we went for a oh, photography of it. I did think it was a little oh, weird okay. that she was playing an Indian character. Like that was a little. That's a fair. 
She actually, uh, I don't know if you remember this. She actually was a part of some controversy recently where um, she, uh, she, so last year during the um, George Floyd protests, there was a large reckoning uh, in a lot of areas. And one area was voice casting in that um, there are a lot of characters that are people of color who are played by white people. And Jenny Slate plays the, uh, um, one of the kids on Big Mouth who is a black girl, uh, and she's no longer playing that role. And that is, uh, so that's what you just saying that reminded me of is like, oh yeah, so that's, that is weird. I actually yeah. didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, she is, uh, Jewish and, okay, sorry. <laughs> that sounded really bad. I'm reading her statement on why she left, um, Big Mouth is that her character on Big Mouth is a black Jewish character. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so she's like, okay, no, Missy's mom is Jewish and white on the character, and but and she's like, I am, so I thought it was okay, but Missy's black, so she should be played by a black character, eh, a bl- black actor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I stumble over my words a lot, but yeah, nope, she is a. Uh, she seems pretty. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Kind of weird that she's playing an Indian character. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I didn't notice that. Now you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, I guess I was so distracted by her name being Dora. I was like, yeah. Dora. Dora. Dora the Explorer. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I feel like there's a lot with this film that is just like, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, I feel like, the, okay, the interesting part of this movie is Tom Hardy. Uh, but we, we could talk about some of these other characters a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I said I like Anne's boyfriend's character. I think it's a really fun little role uh, in how he just like, like one of my, fi- like a gag in this movie that is actually like a gag that's designed to be a gag is when like she's talking to him concerned on the phone and then just out of nowhere he's like, yeah, you got a, pro- you got a parasite buddy and he's eating Chinese food. And it's like, he's like, I'm on speaker. He's like, yeah, is that on your shoe? And I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is solid, solid, solid reveal gag. I, I don't know. Like, I think he's nice. He's a nice character. Agreed. I also just, <laughs> I also just like the, uh, the moment where they trap the symbiote in the, uh, the lab. And he's just like, Whoa, what's going Honestly, One of my favorite things about this movie is like during that scene, right? Where they're like, staring at the the symbiote in the hospital lab and you just see tom hardy staring intently at a glass wall well you know the cgi was there later and he just acts like no stop it you're not getting back into me and i'm just <laughs> like this is amazing because it's it feels cheesy watching this now i can't imagine what it would be like on set and i don't know how michelle williams can keep a straight face in the background of the shots <laughs> Um. Anyway, uh, Venom is a is a movie. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, uh, <laughs> uh. So let's let's talk about that cold open. Okay. Because we always talk about cold opens. Is that yeah. an impression of me? It's got a deeper than I'd expect. Are you doing an impression of me? No, but I can if you want me to. I can try. 
Tyler, I think your voice is being distorted because it's very deep right now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Try to Should talk I? high pitched. Like this? Okay. <laughs> talk like this? So what I about would, this cold I would open? Disconnect. What? <laughs> so this cold open. Look, it just doesn't work. It's not needed. The the storytelling is repetitive. We get this later on. Okay, Morty. Yeah. Uh. You, you know, I I really didn't think about it until until you guys mentioned it, right? But uh, yeah, really, we could have started after the cold open, and there would have been no real difference in the overall effect of the story. Yeah. I mean, except for the fact that you know, with without that cold open, we 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 lack you know the whole boy meets girl they fall in love bit of the you know boy meets girl girl dumps boy boy gets infected with the space parasite they get back together story mm. yeah yeah I, I i what danny you have to disconnect and reconnect you are so deep and cartoony <laughs> to me i cannot hear this you need to disconnect and reconnect That's what happens if i actually what happens if i actually try to like lower my voice what if happens if i talk like this Dude, i don't look Is are you having this issue too am i crazy i'm, I'm, I, crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm not sorry. i'm not noticing it sounding like weird or different to me but well you sound you right. sound fine luke to me that's why i'm like tyler please just disconnect and come back on okay i'm sorry I, it's like tyler's like how's it going guys and i'm like what is going on hey please talk okay how about now yes now you sound normal okay, now, now okay. You sound, okay it, we'll it sounds the same to me so <laughs> so uh yeah talking about the cold open um uh jay had talked about this last week how thor the dark world is like exposition and I agree, I agree with Luke that exposition's needed. But don't feed it to us and then also give us the same thing later on in the in the story. You know? I think um, that there's an important thing here is that there's a big difference between like inception and like a Nolan movie and inception and a movie like Venom. Like there, there's a very big what? difference. What well, if Venom was directed by Christopher Nolan? Tom Hardy should have brought him on for the sequel. Um, yeah, we could have had. It'll be like a symbiote inside of a symbiote. That's what I was gonna say. There's a symbiote that happens in the that happens in the climax of this movie. At one point, they eat, he eats venom. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, hopefully there was an well, anti venom on site. Ah, I appreciate Tyler for appreciating that because I was not going to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, the cold open, I I never get my thoughts on it. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, I think it's weird that there's a J. Jonah Jameson son cameo, whatever. Cause you know, now we know that the, the JK Simmons is the one, like the one true JJJ brought cross dimension. So they should have brought back the actor from Spider-Man two. Or does he have multiple different sons that all look different? I'm just confused. What actor changes have to be canon no matter what. Where's Terrence Howard? Uh, where, where's Topher Grace? Where's to- what if what if Topher Grace is is the son? You know, I want this, uh, Venom in, in into the, the Venom verse. Venom into the Venom verse, where we bring. Oh, in- we get just multiple Venoms. Yeah, and it's just Topher Grace and Tom Hardy. Can Venom three be 
called Venom, and there's like three M's. Venom. <laughs> Venom. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> it's Venom 3. Yummy. You know, you should have done your Venom impression when the audio was distorted. <laughs> that's, that's what I was saying. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, the cold open. I kind of agree with what you're saying about what Jay said last week. It is all recapped later on when when one of Riz Ahmed's speeches. Um, but yeah, it's it's not needed. A lot of this movie isn't needed. Let's be real. The one issue of this movie <laughs> is that it's inexplicably an hour and forty minutes without credits when it should probably be eighty five minutes without credits. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the main issue I have there is that the third act is so whatever, because I don't care about the superhero stuff in this movie at all. I care about Tom Hardy bonding with someone who's inside his body who's like, you're a lame person, Eddie Brock. (laughs) I'm beginning to like this place. Can I eat people (laughs) now? (laughs) So, Danny, I know that you like, you're, you're a Riz Ahmed fan. Um... But not for this movie. What well, did you think okay. of the villain of the villain in this I think movie? Riz does a decent job of what is given to him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've always thought that he it's a poorly written. Like he's very character. clearly actually the one thing I thought during this about his character. I thought was like, hey, this is kind of timely. This is about like a rich uh, asshole. It's like a rich asshole who's like. I'm going to spend all my money to go into space. And I'm like, this is pretty timely right now. This is very relevant to the yeah. current news. Is he Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, Either I way, we just lost our them. funding. We just lost our funding with Amazon and Tesla. So. Oh, don't worry. We yeah, still have well, the Cook brothers. We, we we haven't lost them yet. <laughs> and we also but know that we, uh, lo- we lost our morals if, we, if we're with them. <laughs> I will say Riz on that. We know it's tight with. Riz Ahmed is tied with Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos got him an Oscar now. Remember that. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure Riz Ahmed is actually not a big fan of Amazon. Oh, but he doesn't get to choose sound, where his movie Sound goes. of Metal? Yeah, yeah. Sound of Metal yeah. is an Amazon movie. Uh, but it was indie first, so Amazon picked it up. So I'm sure... Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in Riz's mouth. I do think Riz is one of the great actors working today, um, which is why his role here is such a disappointment. And it's also why mm-hmm. when we talked about Blade last week, how the Blade director is his previous film was a movie that's written by Riz and starring Riz Ahmed. I'm like, I'd be okay with Riz Ahmed being in Blade. Give him a good role that, compared to this one. Like, yeah. Gemma Chan is repeating in the MCU. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Blade. Don't make him a villain. That's like, all I'm saying. The Blade verse, you know, to make him like to, Blade's uh, best friend. The Blade verse. <laughs> Blade into the Blade of <laughs> Just like Mac Leslie's Knights of Mahashala Ali. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, well, with Riz here, okay. I, I it, That gives me a good point to bring up the main thing about this movie when it came out is that, and that's also why Ru- director Ruben Fleischer is not, re- I'm probably butchering his name, but I also don't care because he makes really bad movies. Like, the best movie he's made besides this is Zombieland. So I really don't care mm. what I say about him. Um, and I don't. I'm not, I think Zombieland is a three out of five. I'm not big on Zombieland myself, um, which is also probably why Woody Harrelson is here because of that connection. But anyway, he's not coming back for Venom two. Um, okay. The big reason for that is that Tom Hardy and him very much clashed over what the movie is going to be. Tom Hardy, as I said, signed on to a movie because he wanted to make a movie for his kids. Ruben Fleischer was like, I want to prove myself that I can direct this really great blockbuster movie uh, that's serious and 
like it respects the character of Venom. I argue that the character of Venom does not deserve respect. And as such, I am very happy with Tom Hardy did to him. <laughs> um, and that's why, and you know, ultimately it's more important to keep Tom Hardy happy than Ruben Fleischer. And I also think the audience, like people who are legitimately fans of this movie and think it's good. I think they like it because they like Tom Hardy in it. I think everyone agrees Either the comic book fans, the people who don't like this movie, the people who love this movie, everyone agrees. Even if you hate it, Tom Hardy's the best part of it. If you love it, Tom Hardy's still the best part of it. So ultimately, you got to keep him happy. And the reason I bring this all up for this is that the scenes that Tom Hardy is not in are consistently way worse than any scene he is in, in, with him. Just because you can tell that when he's there, he's making his actresses up because he's an executive producer on this film too. Kind of like, um, what's it, Tom Hiddleston with Loki and Scarlett Johansson with Black Widow is that he actually mm-hmm. had a certain amount of control here. And the main reason this movie happened finally after being in development for so long is that he signed on for the role. And that's also why you get actors like Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed in it because people want to work with Tom Hardy. Um, my thing is that, you know, the scene that's sticking out to me is when Riz Ahmed and Jenny Slate's character are like just talking about, you need to tell me who gave you this. And Riz is just so like, I don't want to say he's low energy, but he's underplaying it. I'm like, you need to go big. Where is this? Is your Tony Stark built us in a cave scene, or your failing scene? You know what I mean. He like, this built is the, us in a cave. Sorry, is that yeah. a Riz Ahmed impression? Because it's really bad. <laughs> no, it it was a really Jeff, bad Obadiah Stane impression. It was very Bridges for impression. Obadiah Stane impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> so I was like, are you doing your you, you doing your Mickey Mouse again? <laughs> um, I. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, it's a, uh, no no spoilers for my awards, but it's pretty disappointing that Riz Ahmed was not allowed to go full out like Tom Hardy was in this. And I think it's also because at the point of his career, Riz Ahmed is still only really a TV guy. I think Riz Ahmed still isn't that big, even if he has an Oscar nom. You know, I don't think you can mm. sell a movie off Riz Ahmed um, as much as I love him. Uh, yeah, I, it's weird that I can say I love Riz Ahmed when I've really only seen one of his great roles. But if you guys saw Son of Mel, you'd understand why it's. Why, why that's why I say about that about him. Um, it's a powerhouse performance, and I've talked about it here before. Um, but the only actor in this cast we haven't talked about yet is Michelle Williams, who I think is actually the epiphany—not the epiphany—that's not the right word at all—the epitome of what I just talked about with the director versus Tom Hardy. Because in her scenes with Tom Hardy, she is so much more loose. She is so much more fun. She matches his wavelength at points. I feel like never fully. But she gets close to it. But then when she has scenes of Adam, it's just like dry. Mm. At least that's my opinion on her. I don't know about you guys. I she she just plays a character that I honestly forget is in the film. Um, but also Tom Hardy plays a character that you can't forget is in the film. And not just because he's the main the main char- uh, main character, but. It just because there's so many things that he does that they just they stick stick in your head. One of, one of my um, favorite scenes in this movie it is a Michelle Williams scene without Tom Hardy in it though, uh, and it's the scene where she's like, "Where did Eddie go?" and she walks down the hallway, and a dog walks up to her, and she just stares at the dog very seriously, <laughs> and it just cuts away. It just cuts well, away to Eddie what, being in What you didn't know. What you didn't know is the dog was supposed to have the symbiote in him, and he, the symbiote was actually talking. 
seeing Michelle Williams at that time. But it was just so funny. The way it's framed is so ridiculous. <laughs> and then, like, oh. she shows up in the next scene having bitten off someone's head and she's like all nonchalant <laughs> about it. Yeah. Like, and then they get this really happens. weird kiss. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, it's like. Venom made me kiss you, which makes this whole thing is like, so wait, if she's telling the truth, then Venom wanted to make out with Tom Hardy. <laughs> like, what? Like I said, <laughs> classic boy meets girl, girl dumps boy, boy gets infected with space parasite, loses it, girl gets infected by space parasite, not consensually kisses boy, boy and girl get back together story. <laughs> classic. So, would you say the reason why Spider-Man 3 was not critically acclaimed they didn't make a is because 3. they didn't follow they didn't follow the uh, formula correctly, right? Exactly. It's not Aristotelian. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Takes place within 24 hours, you know. Well-defined characters, True. you know. Yeah. Hero's journey, all that. Like I said. Classic storyline. Been done for All ages. Right. Alright, I'm about to go into some Cinema Sins as nitpicking, which I usually hate, but there is one thing in the I I we, we talked about this last week, like how so much criticism last nowadays is like there's a plot hole here, there's a plot hole here. And I hate to do this, but I do this movie first time I saw it, it stuck out to me. And the second time I saw it, I was like, yep, this is still an issue. Is that there's a time jump in the middle of this movie, six months. And so the bad guy, there's a bad guy in this movie named Riot, who is very unmemorable, <laughs> incredibly unmemorable. Um, I thought yeah. you were talking about a different film for a bit. Because <laughs> no, you were like, there's a bad guy in this film. And I'm like, yeah, we talked about him. No, no. We, you're like, I'm talking about the symbiote. I'm talking about the symbiote, not, <laughs> okay. not Riz Ahmed. Uh, okay. Is, so I, the opening really, scene, yeah. this, this symbiote escapes, goes into this person nearby and walks away and presumably kills them which kind of makes later on when it takes a little girl kind of like this is supposed to be a pg-13 movie i thought but here we got this little girl that's implicitly dying <laughs> um but anyway um so to me so in the beginning of the movie like it takes place over about what a couple days we see the symbiote go to i think two two different hopes yeah it starts with a, a woman that was at the trash the crash site then it goes to an older woman and then it goes to a little girl I th if i remember right yeah um but so it goes to the little girl oh no 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 it goes to the little girl after the time jump but it goes into the old lady before the time jump and it's implied that you know it has to shed these bodies like you every lost couple. me before the time jump. Okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> there is so okay. Beginning of the movie goes into this pilot girl, walks around a bit, has a fight scene in Malaysia, finds an old lady, goes into the old lady. Then there's a time jump, six months. We cut back to this old lady walking through the airport and then goes into a little girl. The issue is. It is implied with that first transfer that he's looking for a new host because this one is not working anymore. Ergo, how did this old lady survive six months for him? Why is he in the exact same body when it was implied that these bodies are not great for him? At least that's what I always got out of the implication of that character and that, the world building. 
Also, I always got the feeling that the six month time jump is placed at a really weird spot in this movie, at least for that plot line. Also, how did that maybe I'm forgetting something, but like, how did that little girl get on the old lady's flight to San Francisco? Right. Was the old lady going to San Francisco? I don't know. I can't remember. I think he just, uh. How do you even know it was in San Francisco? Oh, wait, because he watched the video of Riz Ahmed, I think, right? On the news? I have, I I think they were just trying to find the other symbiotes and they had like a, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they just kind of like homing tracked onto him in like Marvel magic I or honest- whatever. <laughs> I honestly think that I have a very genuine experience with this film where I randomly pass out at the times that Tom Hardy is not on screen because <laughs> I'm having a hard time. Like, oh, I know this happens, but I'm not I'm like having a hard time remembering what what happens. I totally um, I totally forgot, though, that that was split by the time jump. That's that's straight up goofy. Yeah, it's yeah. very funny. It makes no sense. I do want to mention because I just remembered this is that um so back to the cold open. Sorry, but do you guys? You probably don't remember this, but there was a very weird. You heard? Of, you guys remember the movie Life? It was a really bad sci-fi horror movie that had Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, and I think Rebecca Ferguson in it. And it was about these astronauts in a spaceship who discover like a being that eventually just takes over the spaceship and tries to kill them. And there was it's- such a big rumor that because. The movie Split had came up came out around that time. Yeah, that um, life was going to be a Venom prequel, and the ending was going to be this symbiote landing on Earth. And then it's such a stupid rumor. The movie does it is obviously not connected. But then this movie opens with Life Foundation. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this rumor. That's that was like my take. Like, I remember this being a big thing. That everyone's like, this must be connected to Venom because it was a, it was a Sony movie. Life was a Sony movie, um, and I believe it came out like a year before Venom did. So people were like, yeah. Um, this is a side note. I wanted to. I, I remember that fan theory, and I was like, "Okay." Um, you know, we do have something to talk about in the doc, but I want to lead into it a certain way, which is um, this film. We don't usually talk about cinematographers here, but we're going to talk about it right now for a reason. Is uh, Matthew Lidabike? Hope I didn't butcher his name. Uh, shot this film, and the reason why this is a interesting thing is that he shot a certain other film in 2018. That he was nominated for the Oscar for. Uh, he won the Satellite Award for Best Cinematography for it. And it opened on the exact same day as Venom. <laughs> he did A Star is Born. Uh, and I always think it's really funny. Because I actually think a, the Star is Born remake has very good cinematography. And then you watch this. Which is the most totally unremarkable, serviceable cinematography. With really mediocre color grading and all that you know what i mean like you know what i'm saying i just think it's funny they came out on the same day i'm sorry i read a read a really funny comment on the movie life because i was thinking you were talking about a video game called prey that uh bethesda softworks uh released a while back and the movie life and the video game prey are very very similar but yeah then i read i was reading i read a comment and that I was like following this forum to see if they were related because I I know like I remember what you were talking about with life and venom people saying that you know life was 
was a Venom or could it be a Venom prequel? But sorry. So sorry, Danny. <laughs> what was the other movie that's cinematographed by Matthew Lee to BK that was a superhero movie? There's a hint. It's Iron Man 1. Hmm. The Iron Man 2 prequel? Yeah. Part okay. of the Iron, Iron Man, Man 2, 2 extended he, he universe. He actually shot Iron Man 2 as well, so. Yeah. He, he actually famously shot, you know, the best shot of the MCU, which is Sam Rockwell dancing. Um, they, there will never be a better shot of these movies. Um, <laughs> sorry, Star-Lord, you can't match Sam Rockwell. Um, but anyway, the other thing about this movie, the reason I bring up Matthew Bledebeke is because he is ridiculously talented for what this movie is. Um, and furthermore, so is Ludwig Gorson for what this movie is in the score. Yeah. I don't remember much of the score. I mean, I, I don't remember. I have one and a half music degrees. I forgot there was a score. Well, <laughs> what's funny to me is like, we know, like, I feel like we can all agree here that Ludwig Gorsen is a great composer. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's very funny that this movie, like, you know, like, okay. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's a score, I guess type of thing. It's not, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's there. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's just a typical superhero. Score. Well, I don't even know if it was really, superhero I know I did score. try to listen it's, for it. Cause I remember that yeah. Ludwig did it. And I was, I remember the first time I saw this movie and I saw he did the score in the crowds. I was like, what? I literally, I literally screamed what in the theater. So this time I was like, oh. I, I know Ludwig did this music. I have to try to listen for it. And yeah. It's just like guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, what was OK? So now we're going to come to the part of the show. We just mentioned random moments that we like that we aren't going to mention during our awards. I feel like let's talk about Venom, 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 Oh, my gosh, my shirt's coming off. It's hot in here. All right, so back to Venom. Meanwhile, Venom. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> okay, well, uh, it was a movie. No. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I'm glad we can all agree on that. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what other moments in it that I really enjoy always. Um, I just like... Okay, so obviously Eddie is more interesting when Venom's with him, but I also just like the first time you meet him, it's like this ridiculously overproduced video package where it's like, hi, I'm Eddie Brock. I'm here to talk to you guys about this. And, you know, it's like you could tell I've said this on this podcast before. Tom Hardy has only one has several accents, but they're all indistinctively Tom Hardy. None of them are a country. They're all Tom Hardy. Mm -hmm. His American accent is still it's a Tom Hardy voice. It's a Tom. He's like, I'm Eddie Brock. How's it good? Nice to meet you. And can I just say that what he does in the beginning of this movie is actually like a really like terrible thing of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hack my fiance's check my fiance's email. Oh, yeah. Steal depositions from a court. Yeah. It's, so yeah. I can get a big scoop. And he's like, what's wrong, baby? I'm going to expose the universe. Something really bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah. bro. That's a terrible thing to do. Why'd you do that? I also like the very subtle joke 
with Riz Ahmed, where it's like, I love people who ask questions. And he brings up this girl to ask her question. And then he very purposely leaves before she gets to ask it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good good little piece of uh, characterization that's better than anything else Riz Ahmed has in this movie, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really... The, it's, the script really... It holds Riz Ahmed back. It... I think it also keeps... I don't know. It kept me from really connecting with like the uh, with the love, the love story, love interest between Eddie and said girlfriend. <laughs> See, uh, like I have a, I'm like, what? You're yeah, like, it's Venom. I'm like. Uh, it's really it's it is a hard I'm movie like, to break down because it's, it's it's it is a hard movie to break down. Yeah, it's, it's really just like a movie mm-hmm. you can recap. You can't really like get anything out of it. It's it's venom. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, it makes me even. You would think that it would make me less interested in the sequel. I'm even more interested in seeing where the heck the sequel's going to pick up and go, especially if I think he's gonna this is breakfast. a film. <laughs> we, know, we know at some point in Venom 2 he's gonna have breakfast right and we know it will be delicious I hope he bites um, off someone's head <laughs> um so yeah I'm I'm interested in how Sony plans on building out the spunk with spunk. this with this film and also are we going to get a Venom Venom meets Morbius and Craven, Craven. type <laughs> I keep forgetting Craven's happening. Every time I, someone I know. tells me, I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I don't want to say. I don't want to say Vulture because Michael Keaton is in this, but he could also just be playing like a postman. Cameo I just like something. that. Like, I just like that. I want to. I want to give some credit to Michael Keaton here. Is that like you know he is going to return as Batman in the Flash movie that's being filmed right now, and yeah. yet he's still making time to make appearances in Morbius. Which I know was shot before the pandemic, but it's like I presume if he's in Morbius, he's there to set up a larger role down the the top down the, like, the line in yeah. Spunk. It's like, are we really gonna have you be in Spunk during when you're gonna be Batman again? That really <laughs> makes no sense to me at all. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, like, I, I, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I'm hoping that Sony will uh, will surprise me here. But I'm I'm just really interested in how Venom's gonna fit into Spunk. This whole he's the flagship character. Yeah, he's he's like he's, the Iron Man. People will want to see people, Morbius might bomb, but if people if they made Morbius versus Venom, everyone would go see it. Everybody yeah. likes Venom. Yeah, Venom is like the greatest character of all time. Someone ever asked me. Who's the best Avenger? I'd say it's Venom. He was the first Avenger in the Spunk. Spunk. <laughs> What's your opinion, Luke, on Spunk and Venom and everything? Um, I don't know. I kind of just watched it as if it were not connected to anything at all. Personally, I'm like, this is a goofy movie that was made under goofy circumstances. And as such, it's not connected to anything else um but you know i think there's definitely yes. potential when disney owns a hundred percent market share of of you know the film industry 
you know, I think they can they can work it in, and Tom Hardy would would be a great star amongst the stable of everyone else in the MCU or the Spunk. You know, I think it's possible. I do wanna, the, the thing I always think about with Venom is there's a, the top review on Letterboxd is by Patrick Willems, who is a video essay guy, and his review is just Venom two out of five, and it's the number three superhero movie of two thousand and three. And I think <laughs> that does sum it up pretty well. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. That's it's all. That's also like the appeal of it to me too. It's like a very like it's a throwback to when these movies, to a simpler time, a throwback yeah, to a simpler it, time when these movies were just kind of like yeah, trying it, to be palatable. Yeah, it kind of seems more like a throwback to like we were talking earlier about like the Fantastic Four movies or like the Tobey Maguire Sam Raimi. Spider-Man movies, like it seems like it would uh, belong a I bit think more. The Raimi movies are, I think the Raimi movies are a tad bit more artful than this is. Oh no, I would agree, but like those are the standouts of like that era. You're forgetting a pretty big one, buddy. X-Men. Fair. Yeah, X two. Yeah, X two. Two thousand three. I was, I was going to. uh to to read out the superhero films that uh, 2003 came out of 2003 so we had <laughs> Ben Affleck uh Daredevil okay which I've never seen that um we had we had uh that Hulk movie that's just titled Hulk that's I need to see that someday I've heard actually, um it's being it's being recently critically reevaluated by a lot it's, of film it's people a choice. Like. it's a it's a choice it's just um I like choices X2, which is probably the best. Yeah, yeah. X2 is definitely my top three superhero films. Um, For some reason, Charlie's Angel Full Throttle is in this. (laughs) No idea why. Um, Bulletproof Monk is as well. Um, uh, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. That's animated. I've not seen it. Inspector Gadget 2. Yeah, and that's the last one. So really all we have is Daredevil... Hulk X2. Oh, yeah. you know what? Patrick is probably talking about Hulk. Because Hulk is has, as I said, it's being recently very critically reevaluated by... Okay, so there's this big thing right now going on in the film discussion area of reevaluating these old blockbusters that are way more idiosyncratic than the current ones we get. And I think the Hulk movie definitely falls under that because it's mm-hmm. very unique, uh, even though I haven't seen it. But you know what I mean. Um, it's, uh, I remember watching it when it came out and in 2003, I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Either. Yeah. So I was, I was very confused. I was like, what, what, what is, what is going on? Um, it made domestic total gross was 132,177,000. It's production budget was 137 million. So, well, did not okay. make well, it. Well, that gives us a good lead way to get back to Venom. Is that I remember this movie was like a lot of people were like, it's gonna bomb. Like, this looks so bad. I actually, remember mm-hmm. the, do you guys remember the first trailer for this? Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't even have the title on it. <laughs> they just called it V, as if everyone would know what Venom is, even though there was no shots of Venom in the trailer. <laughs> there was just, they were rushing out a trailer for Black Panther to be attached to it. And it was like, okay, like, this doesn't tell me anything. Um, but I remember liking the second trailer a bit more. It was a bit more goofy. Um, 
but then yeah, it was huge. It was it was a really yeah. it did really really well, and everyone was like, "What the heck? Where did this come from?" And I guess I'm, it was. I think most people like were like, "I guess Tom Hardy has a fan base," which kind of makes sense because Mad Max is such a home video life, and of course everyone knows Bane. And his role was Mad Max? Movies. Mad Max came out before three years before, before this. this. Yeah, so he was fresh in people's in people's uh, memory. Uh, so, do you want the worldwide gross for Venom? I actually don't know office? what the worldwide gross was. I know the domestic is, one was around two hundred. It's eight hundred and fifty-six point one million. So, it uh, just in the United States and Canada, it did two hundred thirteen point five million. But y'all then, wonder why Sony isn't sending Venom two to streaming? Yeah, y'all being the people listening, I presume you guys know why. Yeah, I will, say, I will say I will say that like as as much as uh I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like I wonder how Sony's going to pull off Funk. Uh, I mean, they've had quite a few things that performed uh very well at the box office in this re- you know, I mean Venom and then also Spider-Verse. So, well, we'll talk about Spider. I think Spider-Verse's box office is super interesting in its mm. own way in that it was initially very much a disappointment then it legged it out to a very respectable total but it also like pretty much immediately had a legacy of its own that yeah. became huge like even when it was on home video like it cannot be understated that i'm pretty sure the year spider-man won is the only year like spider-verse won the oscar is the only year that wasn't a pandemic year where the highest grossing film did not win the animation Oscar since like 2005. Wow. Because uh, Incredibles 2 was nominated. And it was like, mm. well, they're just going to vote for the highest grossing film because that's always what wins uh, of the nominees. And yeah. Spider-Verse won because of genuinely this how like huge it grew and grew. Um, but that's a conversation for Spider-Verse. I just remember seeing this and being like so upset when it made more than Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, are you guys kidding me? Um but it's an appealing movie still. I can't can't get into fan wars too much. Um, do we just want to talk about the post-credits scene and wrap this up a little bit? Yeah. No? Okay. So there's two post-credits scenes. The first one is the one with uh, Cletus Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I'm glad the wig's going to be gone for the sequel. But I know, Danny, you have other... The wig is the best part of it. You sat for this entire movie with Tom Hardy's being so hammy and dumb and you're like, I wish someone in this movie would match his energy. And lo and behold, the camera pans over to Woody Harrelson in a jail cell with the most ridiculous wig imaginable going, when they let me out of here, there's going to be dot, 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 carnage. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted out of it. Um, Yeah. What about you, Luke? Did you 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 watched it, right? Yeah, it just quit scene. it's a little bizarre. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I feel like that could just be like the whole letterbox review. Venom, a little bizarre. Yeah, it's, a little bizarre. <laughs> it's pretty indicative of the whole movie. Um, you know, it's just two actors kind of going ham. Um, and if that's the sequel, you know, I'll. I'll watch it on Netflix. Like, you know, it'd be a good time. I remember, I remember getting that post that made credits and I was like, oh man, that movie sucked, but I cannot wait for the sequel. <laughs> 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 like, it is, 
Uh, I don't. I can't imagine a better promise for the sequel than. Although I, I think they broke my promise by changing the wig a little bit. The wig was part of the appeal. <laughs> so I've I've been in a but, number of operas, and you may or may not know this about operas, but generally the budgets in student operas are not super great, and a lot of the wigs really suck. And my first thought was, that's an opera wig. Um. So. <laughs> I have complicated emotions on there being or not being said wig. Um, I have a deep connection to said wig. <laughs> Positive or negative, I, I cannot tell you. Well, my one hope in Venom 2 is that there is a flashback sequence with Woody Harrelson where we get that wig again. Yeah. Can, can we can we get him in that wig, but like a younger a de-age him, de-age him, but yeah. keep the wig. de but keep the wig, and it's like showing this childhood trauma to explain why he is the way he is. You know, fun fun it's side just story. Just this wig. It's the, the whole Venom way episode, so we can have a little fun side story. Is a few weeks back, I remember I was on Twitter, and everyone's like, "The way you can tell a celebrity is lame is if they have uh, their father or their mother on Wikipedia be a blue, um, you know what I mean, like a hyperlink, right?" But Woody Harrelson. Do you know who his father is? Do you know who his father is? Maybe. Because if you didn't, I'm going to blow your mind right now. All right, I'm going to read you the first paragraph of his father's Wikipedia page. Are you ready for this? Okay. Charles Harrison was an American hitman, an organized crime figure, who was convicted with assassinating federal judge John H. Wood Jr., the first federal judge to be killed in the 20th century. Charles is the fa- was the father of actors Brett and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that is an interesting, like, most That's... celebrities, if their parents are famous, they're famous because they're actors, or, you know what I mean, or producers. Yeah. This yeah. guy. Wow. And he was, uh, he has several allegations of being involved in assassinating JFK. So. The grassy wow. knoll. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so oh, would would you rewatch <laughs> rewatch this film? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. I do have one more thing to say about the movie. Okay. So this movie has a post credit scene that no one watches for good reason, and it's because so the credits roll. It's the very end of the credits, or so you think, and suddenly on the screen appears. Meanwhile, in another universe, and it cuts to a clip from Spider Verse that is heavily edited. And it's not as good as it would be. But I also will say, after watching Venom, getting this clip, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is a really great Spider-Man movie. <laughs> like, I'm always like, oh, yeah. But what I always like about this clip is once the clip is over, it cuts right back to some more credits. And you can tell they just chopped the track where it was. It's not a new track of score. It's just the audio just cuts straight back into the score you left off on. <laughs> And I'm always like, wow, they really did not care about this at all. All right, now we can talk about if we watch the movie. I just I want to get that on the record. I think the post credits gotcha. movie is very funny. Yeah. Um, I don't really know if I'd rewatch it, but if it's on TV, then I'll watch it if nothing better is on. Which, yeah, I'll just leave that for your interpretation. So. I feel like that's that's mine too. Ish, maybe if it was on, like, yeah. I mean, if my mom didn't watch it, I'd be like, yeah, sure, mom, I'll watch Venom with you. That, that could be a fun night. Uh-huh. I guess for me, it's a bit of like, 
if people don't want to watch cats, we could watch this. <laughs> if we're looking for a goofy, weird, bad-ish, obnoxious core movie to watch. You know, if everyone's there already seen go. Cats seven times, you know, maybe this is one to, to ball out. Baby at least once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for the Wise Awards. The MVP. All right. It's going to go to Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to mix it up from Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy definitely deserves an award, but I'm going to go with Dan the, the Man Lewis. You know, perfect boyfriend. He's a doctor. Even gets along with Tom Hardy. Like, dude's an MVP. He's pretty nice. He's a good guy. Exactly. He gives him a free MRI, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I always love in this movie, we didn't talk about, but the visual effects, whenever it's just like randomly like Venom jump scaring someone or like just phasing out of Tom Hardy. And it's so like ridiculously over the top. (laughs) It looks like a YouTube video. Like it looks like a YouTube video where it's like, oh, it's just Tom Hardy walking along the street. Like, that, that is my impression of those effects. But yeah, the boyfriend's cool. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Dan scene. Lewis. Dr. Dan Lewis. Uh, my favorite scene is Tom Hardy eating everything in the fridge. And when I say everything, I mean everything. It's, it's more just everything around the house. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. Mine is uh, Tom Hardy, which I want. This needs to be specified. This is before he gets the symbiote. Is he just hears his neighbor play very loud music, and he like just suddenly goes and like he clinches everything, and his entire body just begins to shake. And it just it seems honestly, even if they come back to it uh, uh, like later, it feels like such an odd sequitur in the moment (laughs) (laughs) because it's not really relevant at all. It's just so dramatic. I love it. That's what about it's, you, Luke? Uh, it's it's hard for me to pick a favorite. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think to Tom Hardy eating the trash chicken is, is definitely one of those things that I remember the most. So I guess we'll go with that for my favorite scene. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. So the worst scene. I'm going to say Woody Harrelson meeting Eddie the Brock. I, I just, I was like, why? Why do we need? Why do we need this? Although, did Danny leave the Discord because he's mad that I chose that as my worst scene? <laughs> Danny, <laughs> did you? Okay, I see you. Yeah, I did, um, leave. I did leave over that. Yeah. Go on, though. Go on. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, we knew this was coming. Like You knew this was coming, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, yeah what about what about you danny uh mine is okay so i have listed that it's uh riz ahmed not list, answering the girl's question but i think i have a better answer it's the scene where it's riz ahmed and jenny we kind of talk about jenny slate talking about who did it and she's he's trying to intimidate her it's really not working, and it's just—it's not a good scene. It's it, the—it's such a dry movie when it's not Tom Hardy, and that scene is like the epitome of the worst of it. So, 
But yeah. Luke? So I think the worst scene has to be the the final fight. Yeah, like, that's a fair mm, it's, That's a good one. It's just a total disappointment. It's very much... I remember talking with my brother like when we were 10 about, you know, like those earlier superhero movies, how like a lot of them were like, especially the Fantastic Four movies, how they were like one fight movies, you know, like there's just that one big final fight and that's kind of it. And the stakes are relatively low. And it just kind of had that vibe of like, this is a one fight movie. Like there's nothing really going on here. And like the visuals just What's don't weird? look good. Sorry. What's weird is I think the film does have a good action scene. It I think the motorcycle chase is really yeah cool. the motorcycle um, that 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 is a very well done scene. I do agree. Yeah, so it's like okay, of course the end fight is these CGI monsters fighting each other, and the other thing that's weird about it to me is that you know, so Carnage the whole point of Carnage like is that oh there's another symbiote that's pow- more powerful than Venom, but we already did it in this movie. Exactly. Where do we go? Yeah. Uh, and of course the answer is, uh, it's going to be Woody Harrelson hamming it up, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah. So the best moment. Yes. Uh, best moment is Tom Hardy, not believing in aliens while living in the spunk. Uh, so Danny, I asked you via text message quite a while back. I was like, Hey, what do you think about venom? being retconned into the MCU. And this moment here is exactly why I think this movie has to be set in uh, 2000, 2010. Um, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be set before Thor comes to Earth. It's really um, weird, by the way. Sorry, I'll let you continue. But I noticed yeah. watching this. It's really weird that all these there's. Because I forgot it takes place here that we are now getting our third superhero movie with Shang-Chi that is set in San Francisco in very few years. Where's my mm. superhero movie set in Chicago? Come on. Yeah. Stop putting these yeah. heroes in San Francisco. Maybe Moon Knight will be in Chicago. That'd be cool. I mean, well, I think Moon I would be Knight like, why aren't you like shooting a New here? York thing? But we, we would yeah. like to have yeah. you here. Please shoot mm-hmm. it. I'll meet you, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, they can use Chicago for when they do the Marvel DC crossover movie because that, for some reason, they seem Hollywood seems to think that Chicago is Gotham City. But, uh, yeah. So it's just Tom Hardy's like, nah, aliens aren't real, and I don't know. I I just at that moment always sticks out with me, and I think it's because of we've already got like. It's 2018. We had Infinity War this year or that year, you know. So, yeah. Anyways. My best moment is uh, when Venom goes, I am a loser too, Eddie. Uh, it's very funny because it's just like, it's it's not actually on it. He's like, on my planet, some consider me a loser too, which is arguably much worse. It's just very like... It's so like serious, but so goofy. And Tom Hardy's like, mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like okay. And it's and again, it's kind of like it's kind of like what I said last week with uh, "Don't worry, I can swim" in Cap One being like the epitome of the film. I think that I'm saying to Eddie, 
I'm also a loser. <laughs> is that? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my best moment. Luke. What about you, Luke? Um, I think perhaps the best moment is, is actually the motorcycle chase. I thought that that was generally like quite creative and fun. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. I want to yeah. say one thing that we did not mention and we don't have in our doc to mention is I, you guys keep me mentioning the trash chicken, which I do like, but I also love him jumping into the lobster tank and just eating a lobster straight out of it. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, it's alive. Because like early in the season, he's like trying to cover people's food. He's like, this is all dead. <laughs> this is all dead. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking uh, to a couple of people that like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this podcast. It's about Venom. And the, Everyone keeps talking about the lobster tank scene where he just like sits in the lobster tank. And it's like, yeah, that that was pretty great. But I also like felt like a secondhand <laughs> cringe watching it. Just like, could you imagine being there? <laughs> well, but like, you'd be, it's just Tom Hardy. Like, oh, yeah. You, you gotta respect Tom Hardy totally for buying into that. Um, but yeah. Okay. So the most disappointing aspect of the film. The relationship was meh. Um, it felt like the relationship was something that could could be just tossed tossed aside and it didn't matter if it came back. Um, yeah, and I was wanting more, but also I think I could say that for other aspects of the film um, is I was wanting more. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that was for me. What about you, Danny? Uh. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but the fact is, is that I think Riz Ahmed does have a good hammy performance in him, and unfortunately, it's not in this movie. If he went full ham and matched Tom Hardy, which I fully believe he can as an actor, or at least get close, because I, I do think Tom Hardy does ham better than a lot of actors working today. Um, but if he at least tried, it could have been something really great. Instead, he's just a nothing. Mm. Like, he literally is so forgettable in this. What about you, Luke? Um, for me, the most disappointing element was just, you know, anytime that we really have Venom on screen, like as a disembodied voice, like it's fun, but anytime like a physical Venom is on screen, it's just, I don't know. It just was always disappointing. And then just the final fight is just so disappointing in such low stakes. Mm. Well, my counterpoint against your word anytime what about at the end when he goes, I'm going to eat your legs and then your arms and then your head and you will be a turd in the wind. And okay, that, that, pot, and he just eats him. that is that <laughs> that one is pretty all right. I'm talking more about the physicality of Venom than I guess the character oh. of Venom. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Um, all right. The best surprise. Tom Hardy sitting oh, in the shoot. lobster tank. Oh shoot! It was tank. in our it was in our outline. Oh no! Yeah. Wow, Danny. Tyler wow. can fire me now. <laughs> Go to DC. Uh, actually, no. You can stay point. Marvel. You just have to cover 2003 Hulk and Daredevil. <laughs> Again, so. the two buses of Hulk I want to watch. So it's not a punishment. <laughs> hey, you still have to. You still have to do like multiple rewatches of Daredevil, and you have to like criticize something new each watch through Danny is now pretending to be asleep. He's like a possum. Do possums do that? Playing I possum. So. Oh, possums play possum. 
Okay. So, uh, so yeah, Tom Hardy sitting in the lobster tank was the best surprise for me on my first time watching through. Um, it really sold me on Tom Hardy and just, he totally like committed to the role and yeah, I, I just, I was embarrassed for him. Um, kind of like what, what you had said, Luke, uh, I was embarrassed for him and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah. Tom Hardy and lobster tank. Uh, since Danny's playing possum, I'll also be Danny. No, so no, Dan Lee had a no. cameo. LOL. Stop it. That's my, that's my Danny. Impression. This, is my, this is my Tyler impression. Hi, I'm Tyler. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was okay. So the surprise is one that Stanley Bobber pop up for this movie. But the other thing was, I had this, it's kind of a melancholy memory. This is kind of the last Stan Lee cameo. And by that I mean he shows up in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, he shows up in Captain Marvel, and he shows up in Endgame. Even though I, I stick by my hot take is that his Endgame cameo should have been cut because it's a really bad last one. Um, and the Captain Marvel one is a really good cameo. Um, but anyway, uh, this is the last one where he showed up and people got actually excited. Whereas for the other two people got like kind of like melancholy. The other three. When they saw him, or in the case of Endgame, they're like, is that Stanley?" And then, like, the, the movie had already moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, it's it's a solid little cameo. It's nice. It gets people excited to see Stanley. It works. It's fine. Mm. It's surprising to see him in the movie, too. What, what was what's your best surprise, Luke? So, I think my best surprise, the most surprising element of it to me was that it's really a rom-com. <laughs> you know, and it even borrows yeah. from the Comedia del Arte. Like, you know, you have these disguises and these pretty stock characters that go through, you know. You know, are, are you saying that is the rom com between Eddie and Michelle Williams or Eddie and Venom? Well, I mean, I, I I think that it would be Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams if we're speaking traditionally, okay. whereas Venom feels more of like that brotherly, like servant Comedia del Arte type yeah, of type yeah. of role you know so you know that's yeah, yeah. that's we, my take we, on I, it. I went to theater school i know what you're talking about for once yeah i, went yep. to theater school. I, I wrote a paper on uh <laughs> on danish opera and that's why i know we had to read uh one man two governess uh so i like half read a few danish media. comedias like all right. So, who are we most excited to see more of? Tom Hardy in the symbiote. Yummy! I say the symbiote, but we know there's going to be two symbiotes in the, in the next film. Venom. Yeah, I just, Venom. Venom. I, I'm just excited to see more of. Uh, yeah, Tom Hardy and Venom. See that Venom. relationship. Tenum. Tenum. Venardi. I don't know. Stop me I'm before excited. I keep going. I'm excited because there's going to be carnage. Let them you didn't carnage. say it. You didn't say it the right way, Danny. There's going, there's to, be going to be carnage. No, I have to say, there's going to be carnage. There has to be the possible. Yeah. It's it's only carnage uh, if it's from the carnage region of France, by the way. Oh, interesting. Oh. Ooh, uh, um, otherwise, it's just sparkling parasite. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wh- what about this? Would you be most excited to see more of a Venom 2? presumably venom too i guess your answer could be i want to see venom and tom hardy interact yeah (laughs) that is an option too i is that what is it 
I, hmm, I don't know. Tom Holland, excuse me. Tom Holland, I meant. I mean, it would be really, huh? Hmm. You know, I, I think it building on the characters of Tom Hardy and Venom and how they're playing off each other. What if the sequel is really just a rom-com between Tom Hardy and Venom? And then Michelle Williams is like the side character that helps facilitate that relationship. She is not in the trailer much, so. You never know, though. We'll yeah. yeah. You know, You're flip ready. the script. Yeah. Let there be carnage. Yeah. <laughs> as we say. Uh, all right. Well, Luke, we loved having you on. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. So tell us, tell, tell us about you, where we can find you, what you want to. Pimp, about, pimp your work about if you want to. So Go ahead. all my all my socials are pretty locked down as I'm a I'm a also a school teacher. Um, but you can find uh, my most recent uh, significant work that's kind of public is the uh, it's called Exercising Demons: Poverty and Crime in the Life of Wesley Willis. If you just kind of type that into YouTube, you'll find my recent conference presentation video on that i've actually been uh, consulted on a book about that so that's pretty exciting um i might cool. i might at some yeah. point be putting out a a music podcast um no idea when that is but it's going to be a series of hot takes with with some guests are you gonna say it's gonna be carnage i mean <laughs> it could be sorry. it could be carnage but uh so that was my my it, it's gonna Sorry, go ahead. It's going to be a music. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be a musical podcast about the Venom Two score. <laughs> it's just breakdown minute by minute. No, it, I mean we could do that, but the idea of the podcast is <laughs> I, I come in with with uh, a short essay, um, and me and my guest, I try making kind of a, a hot take over a piece of music. Um, the one that's been sticking mm. in my in my brain recently is discussing the influence of the chorus pedal in Olivia Rodrigo's uh, album and discussing the evolution of the chorus pedal and hypothesize why it might be so prevalent in her music. We're talking about the vocal registration in the music of Lil Nas X. Um, hopefully those don't sound horribly boring um, and just kind of arguing it out with the guest over you know 30 40 minutes yeah but there's no title that's for cool. that and no date that that's coming out uh so you know hit me up on all the socials i didn't tell you about if that sounds interesting to you all right uh awesome tyler thanks again luke for being on tyler take us yeah. away thank you for listening to this episode of why is with ty and dan we can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I am number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at Blank Mints for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. We'd also like to thank Zachary Wright for editing this episode. Woop, woop. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach. And thanks, Luke, again for being on. And next week, we will discuss the films of Daniel Destin Credit. I hope I got his name right because I always mix up if it's Daniel first. I mixed it up. It's Destin Daniel Credit, who will be directing Shang-Chi Chi, uh, the next MCU film. So, yeah, that will be us next week. Um, be sure to check that out. 
All right. All right. We'll catch you in the next one.